Welcome to the HTML All the Things podcast, episode number 48, Vanilla JavaScript. I'm your host, Matt Lawrence, and I'm joined again by my co-host, Mike Coran, who just really briefly interrupted me there. I saw that. Don't you, don't, don't you look away from that webcam. But anyway, uh, we're gonna, moving on to uh, a very special segment, which is called uh, Mike, Mike's Shameless Self-Plugging. So I'm going to read this <laughs> script that Mike wrote. No! <laughs> uh, I'm going to read this script that Mike wrote. Uh, without my knowledge, and he forced me to do it. So anyway, if you've been enjoying the podcast so far and want to support us, there's a couple ways to do that. Uh, you can review us on Apple Podcasts or on the pla- on the podcast platform that you are listening to this on. You can also check us out on Patreon. Uh, we only have two tiers right now, but the $3 tier will give you uh, a shout-out in the podcast, and we also share your website, and you can kind of check out some of the examples of those in a couple in the last couple of uh, show note show note. I almost said show notes seasons. Anyway, the last couple of show notes and, um, yeah, and probably the most important one actually is just to tell your friends and family and whoever, anyone else, you know, that would be interested in web development or interested in listening to us at all. And part two, um, of this, uh, Mike, Mike self, self shameless self plug saga. Oh, I don't mind that one. The shameless <laughs> self plug saga. Anyway, we do have a discord server, which is finally launched. Uh, and it's doing quite well, growing really fast, and lots of great conversations in there, lots of great help, and uh, just general goof around in there sometimes. Uh, so, you know, if you want to check that out, that will also, that link to join that will also be in the show notes. But this week, we have, of course, our weekly pain points, followed by uh, a few segments here, which I'll go over really quick. Segment number one is uh, overview uh, overview of JavaScript. Segment number two is why learn JavaScript when I can just learn, you know, whatever framework. And then segment number three is uh, ECMA script or ES6 uh, features. So that's going to be that. This is going to be a Mike heavy episode. I'm still trying to think of a slogan for the Mike heavy or the Matt heavy episodes. I think we need separate slogans. Maybe a maybe a nick maybe a nickname. Like what 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 can we put in? Can we kind of how like we have the the Mike's shelf self? Damn it! See, it's hard to say. Mike's, Mike's shameless shameless self plug saga. We could have something like this is shameless self plug Mike heavy or something. Don't no. ever no quote that was quote terrible. That. that was yeah that's embarrassing. It's that's draft zero point zero zero one. So let's let's calm down. But anyway, I'm gonna pass it off to Mike so he can uh, tell us his uh, weekly pain points. All right, this one is a little bit of a different weekly pain point than my usual ones. Uh, I was just going back to kind of using regular structured uh, HTML and JavaScript and all that without any sort of framework behind it, without any dev servers, uh, essentially not going from Vue back to regular plain old JavaScript. And I realized that I really like that hot reloading feature that Vue has, and I've had it before, but I had to set up kind of like a Webpack plugin with it and had to, I had to do a little bit of rigmarole to get it set up. But I realized that... Uh, VS Code actually has a plugin for a web development server inside of it. So you can actually replace your XAMPPs, your, uh, I think there's some other ones, LAMP or something like that for uh, iOS or macOS. You can replace all those with essentially just a plugin called Live Server for VS Code. Uh, it's going to be a link in the description, link in the show notes to check it out. And it's really awesome. You just kind of click it and it automatically launches the page and whatever you do, whatever you type in, into your into your files in that document, uh, in your folder and save, it'll automatically reload your 
files. Like it'll automatically reload your browser and you'll be able to see the changes live, which is really, really awesome. I mean, the main thing is that, yes, this was possible to set up before, but now it's kind of extremely easy. It's a one-click thing. Uh, what about your weekly pain point, Matt? So this week um, is actually kind of reliant on uh, something that happened last week. So you and I actually had a really great conversation last week in a meeting where we kind of went over uh, – we want to do like a real big overhaul to the HTML All the Things website. And uh, we have some other you know ideas to get the community involved and a couple of project ideas and that type of thing. And so my weekly pain point this week is actually the, the work – or not the work-life balance, but the personal and client work balance. So as I was saying actually in our Discord today that – Every single time I went to open up Adobe XD to start, you know, kind of laying out some stuff just to get like a kind of a first draft prototype, the phone would ring and then something else would happen. So when it obviously when that phone rings, you pick it up, you have a conversation, then you got to go and do something right with like right after it. Um, so that kind of like took up my whole day. So I'm kind of having trouble balancing the two things. Um, however, you know, we're looking at uh, we're, we're starting to work with a couple of uh, external contractors now. So maybe. Maybe once we get them fully trained up and whatever, we can uh, sort of get this balance under control. But that's been mostly my weekly pain point. And I'm going to pass it off to Mike again so he can uh, take it away. With pass some it right more, back to me. Pass yeah. it right back to you from some more self-plugs. It's not a self... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to self-plug, I guess, JavaScript. Um, <laughs> get ready for the self-plugs. Uh, so segment one overview of javascript uh so i just want to take everyone through kind of what javascript is is as a language and i know a lot of you out there obviously know what javascript is since you're into web development but i think there's some some people out there are just kind of looking into web development looking into javascript as a new language to try maybe they've already done a bunch of work in java maybe they've already done a bunch of work in c sharp and i just want to clarify what kind of like distinguishes javascript from all the other languages uh why it's important to know and kind of like the little, the main features that I see in JavaScript, maybe not over other languages, but as a defining factor of JavaScript. So it's obviously a programming language that is used in today's modern web to control logic that is required for layouts and front end. That's the main reason JavaScript exists. It kind of, it was a kind of, it, it started on the front end. It started as just a scripting language to be able to, uh, you know, control your clicks on the front end to control some infrastructure changes, some business logic, stuff like that, like doing, doing a form and you want to click something. Yes, it was done in PHP before. JavaScript is kind of an easier way to control everything, to do some really simple animations. It's, it's a great, it was a it was a great thought to make this language like a, a simple, easy to learn language to be able to control the the web as it was. But now it's kind of evolved past that. It's evolved into a much more mature language. It's now able to be used on the back end for server structure with stuff like Node.js. And what what this actually generally means is that traditionally uh, and by default, JavaScript runs on the client side. So if someone were to make a, a button. For example, move from the left side, left hand side of the screen to the right hand side of the screen right when the page loads. You know, you can do that in JavaScript, and that animation is actually being processed by that user's computer. So the person that's actually viewing the website, it's not done on the server side. Whereas that other kind of last tidbit that Mike threw in there about Node.js, Node.js makes JavaScript more like well, you can think of it more like PHP, and that actually runs on the server itself. So what I mean by that is the actual remote server. So not on the person, not on the person's computer that is viewing the website, but actually the, the, the server that is remote. Generally it's the same one that is actually hosting the website. 
Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's kind of a good clarification on like what front end and back end is. So front end client side, back end is server side, whatever's serving you. Um, so the other thing is that JavaScript is different in a sense from most other languages, other than actually PHP. But the script in the in the word JavaScript actually refers to the fact that it's a scripting language, which means it's actually compiled during runtime, and it's and it's executed. So you don't do any sort of compiling when you're uh, when you're building your code. So you're not like you know pressing save to compile your code in typical JavaScript infrastructure. Obviously, with a bunch of frameworks and a bunch of dev tools, you can do some compiling. It does do it does do some error checking. But the big thing with not being able to compile is a very like it's tougher for people coming from like Java or C sharp to detect errors in JavaScript because they'll only happen during your runtime when it's actually executed. And sometimes errors won't be detected, won't be detected at all until a simple, a single function is executed. So you won't know that you have one errant function in there that could crash your entire code whenever it's called upon. So that kind of stuff makes JavaScript a little bit more difficult to work with, but it's, it isn't as bad as you think. Like you can get around it if you're kind of, if you know that that is a limitation. That's the big thing is that JavaScript does have some limitations, but as long as you know the limitations, it's kind of, it's easier to work around. And it's even easier for, in my opinion, to get started with than something like Java or C Sharp or uh, C++. Uh, as much as I do like C Sharp, I, I, I did do a lot of uh, learning in C Sharp. I, I like how structured it is. It, it is a little bit more convoluted to uh, to get running and to get like a simple application running. Whereas JavaScript, you kind of have a file and that's it. You don't have to worry about any sort of classing and stuff like that. Um, the other really big difference between JavaScript and most other languages is the fact that it's a dynamically typed language. So your variables, your functions will be dynamically typed based on whatever you use. So if you're using numbers, then they'll be dynamically typed into some sort of an int or a double, depending on, on the numbers you use. You don't have to implicitly or on purpose put a variable name with an int in it. All you have to do is use a var, let, or a const, which are all three of them are dynamically typed without having to worry if it's a string or an int or whatever it's going to be even in the future, which again, for some people coming from a more traditional programming background, this is kind of like a shock uh, to their system because they're so used to, to the implicitly type to the actual to typing their code to actually getting you know the you know if you're using a one to a a, a regular integer you put an int in front of your variable so that you know it's an integer and anyone that's looking at your code in the future will know that it's always going to be an integer and not only that your code <laughs> your code as it's running will also treat it always like an integer whereas with JavaScript an integer can then all, all of a sudden become a string if you don't use it properly so it's a completely user controlled what how you how you do your variables which again a little bit little bit overwhelming if you think about it that way but if you know its limitations if you know its constraints it's kind of a very powerful thing if you think about it you don't have to worry about typing you don't have to worry if it's a double or an int you don't have to you, there's no more concern you just kind of use it and as long as you're you're cognizant of the fact that that variable is is going to be a double and maybe it'll convert back to an integer at some point uh, and on purpose, maybe you can use that to, to your advantage. You can kind of play around with it a little bit. So a lot of, a lot of, uh, talk has been done on TypeScript, which is a, a version of JavaScript that will include typing into it. And I could, i definitely see the advantage of typing, like, especially if you're using, if you have a larger team and you need maintainable code, I fully see the advantage of having typed code. Um, but I also, I also don't think that that is the future. Like I kind of see a more cohesive infrastructure with dynamically typed code 
rather than a more cohesive infrastructure with statically typed. Again, it, it, it is a preference thing in my opinion. Like I've spent a lot more time in JavaScript than I have with C sharp now. Uh, so I've gotten really used to dynamically type dynamical typing, but, uh, for some people it might just be too much of a shock and that's why TypeScript is taking off. So that, that's it on typing. The other thing that kind of distinguishes JavaScript is the fact that it's mostly single threaded and, uh, it's, you can, you can do multi-threading uh, using something called service workers, which is being supported by more and more older versions, more and more browsers. It is becoming a very mainstream thing to use service workers, but it's not as easy as you would think with uh, something like C Sharp. I remember with C Sharp, it was, a, it was a lot easier to do multi-threaded applications, although it is a very complex thought process to architect your application multi-threaded, uh, which is why I think JavaScript doesn't really put too much effort and all into it as as much because people that are mostly writing JavaScript code don't need to u- utilize that many cores. They don't need to utilize your entire system resources to run a, w- a simple website. It's just not something that's needed by every single person. Uh, but it is there if you do need it. It has it has its limitations. The multi-threading in JavaScript has limitations. I'm not going to go all, all over them all right now, but just know that it's not in the same level as multi-threading in all the different programming languages pretty much out there. The other thing is, is that a lot of people are very, uh, are used to classes, being able to have a class and, you know, instantiate that class and use, use different uh, functions in that class and to organize, it's essentially an organization tool for your code. Um, classes are, are, are generally seen as really important in a programming language and JavaScript hasn't really had a very good way of handling classes until until recently with ES6 and we'll talk about ES6 uh, a little bit later in segment three but I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about classes in that one too so just know that JavaScript does have class support now you can now you know do an external file with a class in it and then import the functions that you need or the entire class into any file that you do so it's kind of convenient that way so I'm going to move on to segment two here, uh, which is why learn JavaScript when you can learn. And I've put in here in like square brackets, insert framework here. So any framework you can think of. A lot of the time you're kind of looking online about web development and you see a lot of mention, not of just plain vanilla JavaScript, but you see mention of stuff like React or Vue.js or Angular, or there's some, there's some new stuff. Like there's constantly new stuff out there that, that uh, people talk about rather than just talking about vanilla JS. Now, vanilla JS is starting to become more popular, uh, but it still kind of seems like it's not as popular as talking about a new, a newfangled framework or some sort of controversy and stuff like that. So with that, when you're starting to learn JavaScript, if you're just coming in, I can see people being confused about why they would just learn JavaScript. Why not just jump right into one of the frameworks, which has, you know, it has JavaScript in it, obviously, but it has a kind of a very drastic change in syntax and change in change in the way that you're doing things, uh, than just plain JavaScript. So, and my thing is, is that I don't think you should do that. So JavaScript has a very bright future and each iteration that it's been made. So ES5, ES6 has made it a more extensible language. It's made it a more complete language. In my opinion, the web is only growing. So more and more opportunities for jobs are coming up. Uh, and according to Business Insider, which is, which is something that I, I follow sometimes, uh, JavaScript is now the most popular language as of 2018. And I have looked at other sources to correlate it. I, I've put the Business Insider source link in the show notes if you want to check it out. But if you just Google most popular programming language, you'll see like almost every single one correlate the fact that JavaScript is number one at this point. And with that, you have to know that like it's, 
if it's the most popular programming language, it's probably worthwhile to know because if it's the most popular, there's probably the most opportunity in it. So it's worth investing your time if you're going from either, you know, a computer science degree or a engineering degree, or you're just jumping into programming because you want to try to find some other side gig for for yourself, or you, you're not happy with the way your life is going. You don't like the job that you're in and you want to learn something and you're looking at which programming language should I learn? I would always recommend JavaScript because... A, it's kind of, it's a little bit easier to pick up than most other programming languages. It's also a little bit easier to see result. So obviously you can create UIs in any programming languages. It's just easier, in my opinion, to get up and running with a website. And you can kind of, it's really easy to deploy a website and see it in the public eye and get get the feedback on it and stuff like that. Whereas with if you're starting with Java, it's a little bit more complicated. Um, you either have to, you know, go into Android development learn how to that whole process works get your app up there it's it's a little bit more it's a little bit harder to see gratification so you want you want some gratifications when you're first starting out and putting a website up and seeing it live for the first time is great is a great experience for anyone to have so i highly suggest to kind of try that if you're if you're in that spot where you're like i don't know what i want to do with my life i don't know what uh, programming language i want to learn check out javascript that's for sure but then why also do we need to learn javascript instead of just jumping into react and view or whatever other framework you're thinking of. Frameworks, again, are made by third-party contributors. So they're not regulated regulated by a central body. So it's essentially just a random person out there that's just like, I can do stuff that's better and in, and easier than JavaScript can. And I'm going to make a framework around JavaScript. It's still using JavaScript for the most part, but I'm going to make it so that it's easier to do a bunch of things, A, B, and C. It's easier to do these things. So that means that Yes, it's it's cool that you can become an expert in kind of in one in that one field, but you're learning JavaScript through the eyes of another person's interpretation of it. And when that person, and this has happened before, when that person or that team decides that they want to do something differently than what you like, you're at the mercy of whatever decisions they make. And not only that, maybe you like the decisions they they've made and you and uh and you want to keep using it, well, they could just up and cancel support for that for that product because it's up it's essentially up to them there is no body controlling what they do what these people that are making frameworks do but there is a body controlling what javascript does as a whole as it as it moves forward there is a uh, again we were talking about ecma script 6 es6 that is a javascript controlling body that is essentially making making sure that everything that we go that we move forward with is decided decided with like a team decides what you need to do. And that team is a control board. So no one's going to be canceling JavaScript anytime soon. But a, a framework like Vue, a framework like React, a framework like Angular, those can be canceled at any point. Smaller frameworks, even more so. If a person loses interest, let's say like someone that's working on a framework is doing it for, for free and just, just out of the, the kindness of their heart. And all of a sudden they get a job at Microsoft that's, you know, they're making three figures. Do you really think they're going to be putting all their time into that framework? But now you're stuck because you've decided to learn that framework's in and outs and you're become an expert in that framework, whatever it is. You've decided you're just left out in the cold because now you have to either, you know, use a deprecated framework that's going to have maybe security vulnerabilities, that's going to have some issues, that's not going to have the latest features, you can either keep using that or you have to go and learn a completely new framework, which, again, is a, is kind of a difficult prospect when you haven't learned the base language that the frameworks are based on. So that's why I always recommend before going into any sort of framework development, before going and learning any sort of libraries, 
stick to vanilla JavaScript. At this point, vanilla JavaScript can do everything that you could possibly need it to do. Yes, sometimes it takes a few more steps than a framework would do, but I find it important to know those steps or to know that the steps exist in general. Like sometimes you'll go into a framework and you'll see them do something really cool, but, and you'll know that like, yes, you don't know exactly how they're doing it, but you know that it takes certain steps to do, and you can go back and you could uh, reverse engineer it and figure out how they're doing it. And just knowing how stuff is happening, how stuff works inside of a framework is going to make you not only a better programmer, it's going to make you also framework agnostic, which means that you can jump from any framework you want at any time you want. Yes, there will be a ramp up period, but it'll be much lower time ramp up and much lower effort ramp up than if you were just jumping from framework and then to another framework without knowing the job, the base JavaScript. So again, we, we've talked about this many times on the podcast, learn a framework, like learn, learn the base JavaScript, then go into frameworks once you're comfortable with base JavaScript and then go back sometimes. Like right now, I'm actually taking time out of my time out of learning view and going back to make sure that I know uh, that I re-up my knowledge on vanilla JavaScript. Like I said, in the previous weekly pain point, I forgot how to uh, add an event listener, which is crazy to me because I used to do it all the time, but I forgot how to do that in vanilla JavaScript. I had to Google it. And then of, of course I remembered immediately and I, a bunch of other memories came flooding back, but you're going to forget sometimes. And it's kind of important to make sure to go back. If you've been using a framework for a few months, just make sure that you know the core stuff that it's based on. Um, and again, you'll never know with frameworks, right? Like you can have an extremely fra stable framework, like Angular was extremely stable. Now Vue is considered to be pretty stable, but they've had kind of a, a recent controversy with Vue 3.0 that we'll actually talk about in the upcoming web news segment uh, that will make a community angry. And you might be, you know, SOL if you only know Vue. So ju just be sure to don't put your eggs all in one basket. That That's kind of what I'll leave with. And with that being said, though, it kind of sounds like JavaScript is like the end-all be-all, but do you actually see any other language or any other technology coming in and maybe knocking JavaScript out as this sort of standard that it's becoming? So it's a good question. Um, I've seen, I've, I've thought about this quite a, quite a bit. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. My My only thing is, is that there are some languages that are coming up that could, that have a lot of good features the thing I think like the I think the biggest contender and it's still a very small contender and a very very small chance that'll ever overtake JavaScript but maybe take a fraction of their you know a fraction of a share of what JavaScript does is Dart and Flutter so that's Google's language uh, Flutter is it's cross platform now a cross platform as in like web uh, iOS and Android and I believe desktop as well so it's completely cross platform. And it's one of it's one of the only ones where I can like I've I've programmed in it and the only ones I can say like yes it's it has potential and it has a potential to take a little bit of a segment of the market but I don't personally see it overtaking it I'm not going to say ever but anytime soon like we're you know we're in the technology industry we have to be prepared for change at all times but JavaScript is I think as solid as you can have in our industry at this point um, with that being said. Uh, I think I'll move on to segment three, kind of close it out here. Uh, with JavaScript being solid in our industry, it doesn't mean that it's afraid of changing. So that's why segment three is about the newest features that have been implemented in JavaScript. And I say new, um, so it's called ECMA script six. And so in reference, when you hear ES6, that's the actual acronym that it's referencing. Uh, and these are the features that I kind of find interesting in it. There's a lot more features that I'm not going to mention. 
so you can go out, go ahead and take a look and for sure try them out as as you go. They're there some of them are really cool actually. So and I like I said, ES6 is kind of the newest subset of features. It's not so new. It was put into mainstream in the middle of 2016 with surprisingly uh, Safari and Edge being the first adopters. I don't really know why, but Chrome adopted it uh, sometime in 2017, and now it's kind of seen a mature adoption by all browsers, which is why I think it's kind of it's more relevant to talk about than maybe when it was first coming out. One of the first big changes uh, is the fact that they've added different variables uh, depending on what you need them to do. So they have a let variable, they have a const variable, and then obviously the classic var it remains remains to be used. So I'm just going to go through a little bit of what they do. So a let and a const are block scoped while a var is not. And block scoped is something that is contained within curly brackets. So whenever you declare a let variable, it it, it only exists within the curly brackets that it's contained in. And that's it. So if you could, if you declare a let outside of a function and then try to use it inside of a function without declaring it again, you won't get the value. Unless it's, of course, a function encapsulating that function. That's the only way. So that, that's a big difference between a var and a let uh, in, in terms of encapsulation and scoping. And same with the const. Constant, consts are also block scoped. Uh, the other thing is that let variables can change an update while const variables cannot. So that means that if you declare a let variable and say let uh, number equal three, later on you can go and say number is equal to four and it'll change. While if you do that with a const, it'll give you an error saying that a const is immutable, meaning that it cannot change. So it, it creates more readable code. So if you need, you know, a const constant variable, if you need something that doesn't change and is immutable, and then someone else is, you know, someone else is also sharing your code base, and you need them to know that it's immutable without having to comment every single variable that is, uh, you can use a const. They should all right away know that no, I shouldn't be changing this variable if they see that. And and the the compile the executable the runtime compile will tell them that as well. If they try to change the const, it won't let them do that, and it'll tell them that there's an error. So that's a big thing that uh, that I find interesting. The other thing is like const variables can't be changed or const values can't be changed, but const object properties. So you can make an object in in a const. Those can be changed. So if you have a const with a you know an object called a person who has a name and an age, you can't change the whole object. So you can't pass in a completely different object into that person const, but you can go person.age equals to 25 and change his age. So that's one little distinction and, and one little thing that's not immutable um, in, a, in a const. There is a way to get around that, uh, but I'm not gonna go to, into too, too much detail with that today. Uh, the next thing is an arrow function. So that's another thing that's been, uh, that's new in ES6. These, these are kind of just a, a way of declaring a function in cleaner form. Uh, instead of using a function declaration, like function this, you actually can just write a name and then use, uh, use an arrow, like an actual equal sign and a little arrow to the right and then use, you know, bracket parentheses if you want to pass anything in. If you only want to pass in one variable, you don't even need to use parentheses, but I'm not going to go into the syntax too much. You can look it up for yourself to, to check it out. Just know that it's a cleaner way of declaring functions. It's a, clean, it's a way to clean up your code a little bit. Um, the, the other change with arrow function was that it, it became, there became this thing called a lexular this. And don't worry about not knowing what that word lex, lexular means, lexicular. Lexicolor, 
because obviously I don't either. Uh, I just, I just, you know, know that that's the term that refers to the new version of the, of the, this variable, the, this instant instantiation. And essentially all that the, that means is that the references will be a lot more, uh, like, like it'll, it'll have the current object context more often than not. You won't have to do what you used to have to do with passing in this into the function to be able to use the, the uh, context of that function. Uh, you'll, it'll, it'll work more often than not now where you won't have to worry about the actual context. You can use this inside of a function within a function and stuff like that. It works. It works a lot better. Uh, the other thing is template literals. So these are, if you've been using a lot of uh, frameworks, these are something that you're very familiar with. Um, stuff like handlebars uses it, uh, stuff like react and view use it. It's essentially the curly braces referencing, uh, variables. So whenever you use curly braces, like sometimes it's double curly braces, sometimes it's one curly brace uh, to reference variables. It, what what uh, template literals does in ES6 now is that when you're doing a string and you want to do like a massive string with a bunch of variables in it, you can use curly braces instead of using concatenation. So you don't have to use plus this variable. You can just go reference it directly inside of curly braces. It kind of cleans up your code. It cleans up, it cleans up the string. So you, you, you can see the formatting a little bit better. You don't, you can, you don't need to put like, you know, quote, quote, plus this, ver this, uh, this variable plus this quote, quote, another string. You can all, you can do it all within one quote, quotation uh, set. It's kind of a, another way of uh, cleaning up your code. Next, there's modules. So modules are referring to the import and export functionality. Uh, so you can have like a separate class, like I was talking about before, with a bunch of different functions in that class. And you can actually make it export certain functionality from that class. And so when, when you need to use it within a different file, you would then import that file and import the functionality you would need from that file. You can import everything with a wildcard or you can import certain functionality. It kind of gives you that. So again, cleaning up your code, making it more extensible. That's a very, really big push with this ES6, uh, ES6 iteration. Uh, then there was classes that are added. Again, I was referencing them before. So you're able to create a, you know, full class support now inside of uh, JavaScript. Um, I've used it a couple times, very rarely, because I've been I've gotten so used to using prototypes and just having regular functions act as classes. Uh, I know it's kind of a janky way of doing it, but uh, I've been trying to convert myself to using classes for more extensibility, for more readability. Um, but essentially, yeah, it's fully supported now. Then next is promises. Promises are just another way to handle callbacks. They're much better. They're they're handled asynchronously, like from the get go. You don't have to worry about how to, when when a callback is called. You can just set a promise, and it will asynchronously call it back. And you can do whatever you want once that function is finished. You can set that promise to finish, and you can uh, do all the functionality you want after it's done. It, it it's a it's a great. I think it's a great transition from callbacks for sure. And then there's the new inbuilt methods. So new built-in methods. Uh, a big one for me is array.find. So you're able to find certain elements or certain uh, properties inside of an, an array. And it'll pop that out for you. The, you can either get find index of or just find. So you know either the index of it or the actual entire object inside of the array, which is super convenient. Um, or you know that it exists as well. So that's another thing is like if you find something, it obviously exists. You can use that to your advantage. Uh, there's number type checking now. So you set a number and then dot is not a number. So it'll tell you if your variable is currently not a number, 
uh, it true or false. Is it a finite number? Is it not a finite number? It can do that as well. The other thing and the last thing here is uh, it, there's also a sign detection. So is it is this number positive or negative? You just do math.sign, put the number inside, and it'll tell you if it's a positive or negative number. There's a p- bunch of different exclusions it can also do, which is cool. So there's, again, like I said, there's a lot, a lot of things that I haven't mentioned, and you f- can feel free to to check it out. I'll actually add a link to the to the show notes for you to check out all the different features that are added. But don't get overwhelmed. Just kind of use the ones that are important to you. Just know that there's a lot out there. There's a lot of really cool ones that I didn't talk about. There's a lot of really cool the ones that I did talk about. To me, I think they're they're pretty awesome. Um, and essentially just waiting for ES7, I guess, which I think is around. Maybe not around the corner, but it's definitely being talked about at this point. Um, but with that, I think I'll be moving. We'll be moving on to web news, which will be the Vue.js 3.0 controversy, uh, and we'll, we're going to have a kind of a special segment this time. And we're going to have a special guest on web news, so stay tuned for that. All right, everyone. We uh, we have a bit of a different web news this week. Uh, we're gonna I'm gonna let Mike take it away in a minute here, but uh, we have. Sean, one of our patrons from uh, RabbitWorks JavaScript on the line, I'll kind of pass it off to him for a little brief introduction. And then we're going to do this uh, sort of brand new sort of web news group conversation. Hey, everybody, my name is Sean, and I work under the name of RabbitWorks JavaScript. I primarily do live coding sessions on YouTube featuring projects built in Vue.js, but also do basic programming and other video tutorials as well. So make sure to check that out. And I'm happy to be on the HTML All The Things podcast today talking about Vue.js. Let's do it. Uh, Welcome aboard, Sean. It's been, uh, yeah, it's been good get to know you on the Patreon, in the uh, in the discord so that's been awesome so let's let's jump right into the web news so web news i, I heard week- that wait a second here i heard hey, that hey. self-plug yeah yeah. i heard that oh, we have a discord do we? <laughs> yeah what, what, what was the self the self-plug uh self-plug the shameless slogan? it's it's mike's shameless self-plug saga oh my god it's just ridiculous alliteration i think that's what it's called alliteration is fantastic it is yeah. fantastic it's also a tongue twister so you're gonna be having fun saying that all the time hell yeah <laughs> I, I accept that. All right, so let's jump jump into the web news here. Uh, this week we're going to be talking about the Vue 3.0 controversy. So uh, I know s- some people probably are not interested in Vue.js and stuff like that, but I think it's still kind of relevant to hear about how Vue is like a really popular framework. It's gotten to be pretty pretty big uh, over the last five years. I think it's been out even, and a lot of people have been adopting it, and a lot of people have been kind of waiting for. The, the the 3.0 release because usually when when a platform matures you kind of you don't get too many changes as you go and as soon as they mature to like a 3.0 release or after a five-year period you're more likely to start seeing stuff in production because people know that there's stability there and stuff like that so people have been waiting for any sort of news on when the 3.0 release is going to be what is going to be included and stuff like that and a few days ago now uh evan evan you i think his name is um, yeah, he he released his proposal for the next release, and it's it's not a uh, it's not set in stone. It's something that he released kind of like to get feedback from the community, and a lot of stuff has gone on since then. So I'm going to kind of recap what the release is going to do, uh, and why there's controversy, and what kind of I think about it, and we'll see what the team thinks about it as well here. Uh, so. The main difference between Vue 2.0 and a Vue 3.0 is they're adding something called uh, a, a function-based API. So what that means is before we were using object-based API, 
which is what which is what everyone's familiar with view like you see the the data object you see the uh the what like you know the method object you see the watcher object you see all these objects and it's it's very distinctly separated so that's the big thing that you have to know everything that you kind of do in view is very distinctly separated based on what life cycle what what you're trying to do in it if you're trying to do something on created so like on load uh, that's going to be in a in a different block of code than something that's going to be on uh, computed which means that something's changed so Essentially, that's how Vue is right now. What they want to do is they want to create an object, a, a function that is able to use any of those uh, lifecycle hooks whenever you want inside that function. So the function will be called setup. Uh, and inside of setup, you'll be able to then use any, any of the stuff that I was just talking about. So the created, the, um, the computed, like any sort of lifecycle thing you can think of. Uh, on destroy stuff like that everything will be usable inside of that setup function what that means is that the entire structure of view as we know it has been changed or will will be changed with this new uh, a, with this new function based api and that's what people are kind of up up in arms about because uh it's it's a pretty radical change structurally to anyone's code the one thing that they have done is they did announce, uh, in, initially they announced that there will be support for the 2.0 stuff. So all of your object-based API stuff, the stuff that's separated, will be still supported and it will be backwards compatible and stuff like that. And they, the problem that they did was they used the word deprecated. It will be deprecated. And everyone kind of freaked out about that word because usually what what that means is it's not being supported anymore and usually in the next version it will be dropped and everyone's like well I've put so much effort into learning this new system I know this system pretty damn well why is it why is it that like I have to go and learn a completely new system which is kind of a an interesting take on the react way of doing things so people are saying well if I want to you know learn how to program in react why don't i go to react but there's a there's some serious distinctions between this method and the react method like we're still keeping the same templates template syntax um that there was before so you're still going to have the single file components uh, with a template on top all the same kind of code that that is in your template that's being kept nothing's being changed there obviously the css that that's in that same file that's not being changed uh it's just the script tags that are being changed so you still have the the core structure of a Vue.js component. Uh, but what's what the big thing is, is that yes, a lot of your functionality will be changed. Now, something that uh, they've, they're also changing, I'm going to just mention a few other things uh, that they want to do with this function, this functional based API. And that one of the things is mixins, which is kind of like external functions that you can call from any, any component. It's kind of like global functions, essentially. Uh, they're going away for a more, uh, encapsulated function system. I'm not 100% sure on how that's all going to be working. Uh, that's something maybe, Sean, you can answer a little bit later on. But uh, even, if, even if not, it's kind of one of those things that it's just they're, they're taking away another known factor of view and they're moving, they're moving on to a, something completely different. So that's another thing that's kind of not angering people, but like making people hesitant to continue to support the, their view ecosystems and stuff like that. Uh, another thing to learn for them. Uh, another thing that they want to do is they want to focus a lot on type inference. So they want to get type script integration inside of view that there's nothing wrong with that. In my opinion, uh, I'm not a huge TypeScript user. I have looked into it a few times. 
I don't work in large enough teams to warrant the use of TypeScript. I think TypeScript is a very powerful tool if you're working in massive teams and you're constantly adding people to your team. It makes your code a little bit uh, easier to read and a little bit easier to extend because you know exactly what each variable is, what type each, each variable is, as we talked about earlier in this episode, actually. Um, so that's something that's that, that they want to integrate. And I think, I don't know if it's going to be an optional integration or not. Maybe someone can chime in, chime in on that. I kind of hope it's not, uh, it, it is optional, sorry. Uh, because again, I'm more, I like the dynamically typed stuff that JavaScript has. I don't think that's going away anytime soon, to be honest. That's just my prediction. Yeah, I think that for TypeScript, I think what it's going to be is an optional plugin, just like when right now we use the Vue CLI to enable TypeScript support or just use re- regular JavaScript because uh, TypeScript is can be tricky. I know that when I was uh, first getting into reactive frameworks, first thing I wa- jumped into was Angular, and it was on top of learning a reactive framework uh, having to pick up typescript along with that was just too much for me to comprehend at the time and so it actually put me off to the whole thing to begin with Uh, i think if new developers are kind of forced into the typescript world it might alienate them a little bit but we'll have to see because typescript is also very powerful I agree. Um, and like that, that's for some people. The other thing is that TypeScript, if you're coming from something like a C Sharp or a Java background, TypeScript might actually be something that you're more comfortable with. So I understand if you're like a new web developer per se, and you like the typing, but I, I agree with Sean in the fact that if you're just coming and first learning programming, I think it's almost easier to wrap your head around something that's dynamically typed than typed. Uh, and that, that could be a controversial statement, to be honest, uh, because I have heard a lot of uh, you know, push towards more typed stuff and the fact that typed is better and stuff like that. And I understand that that whole argument. I'm just saying like, as a personal note, I've done both. And when I got comfortable with dynamic typing, I understood the power of it and the ease of ease of learning of it. So that that's just another perspective, I think. Um, I have a real brief, real brief interjection. Go ahead. Uh, and that interjection is that the group recording has failed so I will require everyone's files, and I'm, this this can make it into the episode. That's fine. It that's just fine. stopped. It just stopped recording. So yeah, I just so I just want to make sure that everyone is recording individually. Okay. We rename this web news to technical, technical aside. No, technical aside <laughs> is a terrible one. You, no, no, it, it, is, it is. Think it of is. an alliteration. <laughs> at, least, at least it's like at least it's like it's not. Uh, it's not. Um, it, it's a name of a segment. It's not the name of the. Like the repeat, like web news sounds good. You know what I'm trying to say? But yeah. the, the subtitle of web news can be bad. Maybe That's we should okay, maybe fine. we should shoot for that weekly. Just have a bad yeah. web news name where people are like, oh, God, what do these guys talk about now? Technical. You know? <laughs> Just like a real dumb, like a real dumb way to say something. Like technical tiptoeing. Oh, God. Yeah. That's a good <laughs> one. <laughs> That is okay. Terrible. Well, anyway, back to the back to the Vue.js and back to uh, maybe muting myself is what broke it. But I'm gonna click the button again. So. All right. Well, we'll see how that works. Uh, it still seems to be recording. All right. So let's carry on. Okay. So I'm essentially at, at the end of my uh, of my spiel here with the Vue.js stuff. Uh, again, the 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 biggest change here is we're going from object based to function based. It's going to be a big structural change there are some other negatives that that we could talk about uh down the road but the the biggest negative is the fact that people will have to kind of relearn how to do their Vue.js code and if they want to upgrade their Vue.js code to function-based api 
it's going to be a significant undertaking. It's not going to be as easy as, you know, click here and it's upgraded. Now, having said that, I did already kind of look online and I found some Twitter or talk and stuff like that of people already creating auto upgraders to their code. I don't know how well these are going to work. I have very little, like, I don't think they're going to work that well. I don't think a massive project with hundreds of files is going to be able to click on a button and upgrade it completely to a, uh, a function-based API. But I, I mean, it's possible. I've, I've seen, again, I saw a little example of someone upgrading a little bit of code and it seemed to work pretty well. So hopefully that is something that can happen in the future. Um, having said that, uh, there was a couple of things that came out just like today, I think, where Evan Yu, the creator of UJS, came out and said, okay, I've listened to all of your feedback. We are no longer going to say the word deprecated. Uh, that's been taken out. So we're not deprecating the 2.0 uh, object-based APIs anymore. What we're going to do is we're going to support them for the foreseeable future, 3.0, probably even 4.0 as far as I know, and we're going to have only one build. So the thing I didn't mention before was the fact that they were going to do two builds, one lean build where it only had the function base, the new API, and one kind of compatibility build or legacy build, which will have both kind of within, within it, and you'll be able to... Um, kind of do like backwards compatibility now they're going to take that away they said like that that's too too complicated to maintain we're going to have one build that's going to have everything in it and we're going to be supporting it for the foreseeable future like 3.0 and 4.0 that could be a three four year cycle that's that's pretty long for you to transfer your code to function based or to for them to kind of vet out if function based is something they want to move forward with maybe they'll drop support for function based right like we don't we don't know what's going to happen but it seems like a good a good amount of time for you to put your trust into view at least that's my opinion uh, i've taken my own look at the function based api the new api that they're that they're promoting and I personally see the benefit of it a lot. I can see myself slowly converting to it as, as I go. Like I don't want to you know, commit to the fact that I'm going to just sit there and convert all my code right to function base. But I think as I go forward, I will definitely try it out. And if I get into the rhythm of writing function-based code, it could be a cleaner way of writing code. I think it is more involved. That's my biggest negative with it. I like Vue.js because it's a simpler uh, framework. It's easier to learn. This the function-based API is not as easy as the object-based API to learn. So that I think, in my opinion, that is a huge negative because a lot of people learning a, a framework will promote it in the future and you know can maintain it as, as it goes. So we're kind of we're almost going to be losing that with this function-based API. But again, if the old API is still supported, if they're going to be still improving it, maybe I'm, nah, I don't know if they've mentioned anything about that. I doubt they're going to improve it, but it's it's in a pretty good state anyway then I think that the newer generation of Vue users will still be able to kind of start quickly. And then maybe as they start and start learning their object-based API stuff and how the lifecycle stuff works, maybe they'll see the, the reasoning behind the function-based API and start converting to that. That's my opinion. It, I think I don't think it was blown out completely out of proportion. The fact that everything is going like Angular 2 to 3, uh, that, that used to be the big controversy that happened and that Angular lost a lot of support because they did a massive change, infrastructure change. Now it's kind of, um, and they lost their superiority to React in that, case, in that scenario uh, because people had to you know, go back and redo their code essentially to upgrade their uh, system where they could just go and rewrite that code in React or a different framework and uh, hope that that one doesn't change. So with that being said, um, I'm just going to ask a question here. Uh, whoever wants, they can answer it. Will needing to support both the object 
and function-based APIs stretch the view team too thin? What do you think? It kind of sounds like, I mean, I'm an outsider here to be totally clear. So like, I mean, I don't, I've, I've used Vue.js to like lay out some, to like lay out some UIs. So, I mean, if I'm talking incorrectly about it, I mean, yes, I probably am. But as like just a general web developer, uh, one of the things I, that I can kind of think of and just a person who is like just a general tech enthusiast is that it kind of sounds like, it kind of sounds like this is a bandaid, if you will. Like they're sort of, they're probably not going to be focused on it. They probably don't care. Like the very, the very fact that they were, and, and I mean, every, every dev team is different, but the very fact that they announced this new way of doing things with the, uh, w- what's the new way of doing it again? Sorry, it's the functional or whatever. What's the official name of it? The or whatever? way is the function-based API. Yeah. So the function-based API. So the very fact that they announced that probably means that they've been working on it for a long time. It's been engineered, ideas been thrown around, et cetera, et cetera. And it's probably near complete and like ready for public consumption in terms of like, at least them under like them, at least in terms of an announcement, not necessarily using it yet. Right. Um, with that being said, now they would have to, you know, I assume they added features to view, you know, view 3.0 that could be useful in both the old and the new way. So now it's like, do they have to go back and add, add the, add said features into the old way as well, or are they just going to leave the old way? And so it'll be like kind of like a natural phase out where you can learn the old way, but if you learn, but the new way has like, you know, 10 new features or whatever. And as they keep going through versions slowly, but surely people will be like, well, don't, don't use the old way because you know, you're not getting features. You're not getting the updates as much. Like you can still use it, but it's not, it's not as up to date. And maybe they'll keep some stuff out of, out of like uh, security problems or something like that. Like maybe they'll fix things that arise in the old way. But to me, it kind of sounds like they're band-aiding the backlash. Um, and actually I have a question about that. Um, is this a, is this a, uh, I'll use the bandaid analogy again. Is this a bandaid in which they shouldn't continue going forward with the old way and actually should have gone with this new way throughout the whole time? And they're just like, all right, it's time. We have to do this now for the betterment of the framework moving forward. Or is this more so just, like a functional change and they could actually keep the old way going forward. Like, is there a massive benefit? Maybe not necessarily in, in view three. Um, but is there like a massive benefit moving forward from an engineering perspective that they can't achieve with the old method? Yeah. So I think I could answer a little touch on that a little bit. I think it's more so the, the first part of your um, first part of your answer about how it's like, it's, this is the time to do it. So uh, back in, uh, I think it was ViewConf Toronto or US when they were talking about, or Evan Yu was talking about his, uh, the View 3 release. Basically, this new re- rewrite of the code base is going to make it pretty much 100 times faster, or 100% faster, I'm sorry, and um, in, as far as performance and all of the, the logic and code and stuff that needs to run and all that, I mean, we can probably link the video if people want to check that out he does a better job of explaining it but based on my understanding the code base between uh, uh at view 2.0 or 2.7 or whatever it's at now it's pretty much ran up to its limitations as far as what it can do because of how reactive properties and data work because of mix-ins and like the watch property all that stuff was really getting pushed to its limit as far as the way how much it can handle and perform without things falling apart 
and not working in the way that is intended and in introducing a lot of issues and stuff in, into the code base. So I think this rewrite is really helping with that. Uh, one example being with that, uh, being with that is like the, the data object or the new setup object or whatever, where all of our reactive stuff before in view, when you use view 2.0, um, the data properties aren't truly reactive. They're based, it's like a, based on a, you know, a get and a set, um, you know, publish, subscribe kind of like pattern. So the main, the core difference between that is, and with uh, view three is that they're going to be using proxies to actually proxy the value as reference um, versus actually having that value in there as far as my understanding. And what that'll do is it makes it, it, it reduces the, it basically just calls that, that data type or that data value as a reference versus having to call it back, uh, re you know, return it and evaluate a function, essentially a getter to grab that value out of some sort of property and then have to set it. So it's kind of just like proxies uh, our code that we're writing to that value that's stored inside of our inside of our internal logic. Um, so I think that's like an example of one of the main main world blocks that they were running into um, for view two versus view three that uh, this new rewrite is going to allow for better performance, um, specifically in especially with uh, things like Svelte coming out and gaining popularity because of the the minimal bundle size that it produces and the speed that it has for the the size of the applications that are coming out. I think that that stuff is really getting. Uh, becoming more and more important and uh, without this new rewrite view just wasn't able to keep up with the with the ever-changing growing advancements I, I mean one thing to look at with view is like when when you instantiate a view instance you get whether you like it or not you get everything is loaded into there so whether you're accessing you know your computed properties or your uh, lifecycle hooks and all that stuff, those are all being called regardless of if you need it. So specifically like the lifecycle hooks being changed to functions, you can you can just pull in the lifecycle hooks. You can pull in the data property or the data objects, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, you can pull in, um, you know, uh, what is it? Computed and all, and I'm not, I should look at the code really quick. Let's see. So you can pull in stuff like you know your your props, your uh, you pull in value from view, kind of like how React works. So you pull in all these different you know parts of the framework, the parts that you only need, versus having everything loaded in there to start with. So I think that's another key benefit uh, beneficial point to this new rewrite as far as the performance end of it as well and efficiency of it. Yeah, absolutely, and and like I I see a lot of value in it. Um... And I am a little bit, a, a tiny bit disappointed that they're removing the uh, the regular build, like the lean build without view 2.0 stuff in it. Mm -hmm. Because I can see that, like, I, I would try to load that and try to, like, play around with it. I wouldn't use it in production yet and stuff like that. But I could see that being a good thing to have. But I, I also understand, like, the backlash and why they reverted to just one build for at least 3.0. Um, again, like, I, I do like the functional side of it i see a lot of benefit like I, I really like the fact that you can kind of you can put the computer property you can put the the props wherever you want you can kind of you can kind of use them and group them as you want that's my biggest thing is like you can make functions that have all of the contained logic that they need to do 
including all of their life cycles contained into one function instead of having them broken up and having a large function that does a lot of things broken up into different life cycle objects is a little bit harder to maintain. I have personally witnessed it. I've personally seen it. Like I'm working in a small team right now where we're writing a Vue.js code base. And I had to specifically explain the fact that this is one function, but it's performing stuff in the created property. It's also doing, it's also waiting for stuff to happen in the computed property. Like that, that's, that's broken up code. That's broken up functionality into different blocks, even though it's performing kind of one coherent piece. So with this new API, with uh, function-based API, you'll be able to organize a lot better. It is harder to architect. Like if, when you're looking at it from a, just a pure architecture perspective, like how do you create blocks of code? I could, it, it could create spaghetti code. And, and, and in that sense, like you could just have a bunch of like up and down, uh, like a big you know, created function that's just like plopped into your code that doesn't make sense to be there. Uh, it does require a little bit more foresight when you're creating the code than the uh, the regular object-based API. That's where I see it kind of, that's where I see the fight, like the fight between functions. Like it's so easy to create structured code in object-based API, but it's so, so much better to create function code in function-based API. And that's why I believe that th this intermediary step that they're doing with being, with supporting the older API is a smart move on their part because they they already have a huge user base. If they didn't have a huge user base, this wouldn't be a talk. Like no one would be talking about mm -hmm. this. Like uh, Sean mentioned Svelte. That's not a huge user base yet. It is, it is growing very quickly. Mm -hmm. They're able to do the things that they do because they are a small user base and stuff like that. They, but if they were to do a change just like Vue.js just proposed, they would also get some backlash, not as big, but they would get some backlash. Now, Vue is already a huge platform. It's getting a huge amount of backlash because people are already used to it. That's how it works with a lot of large platforms. Think about Facebook doing any any sort of changes back in the day, like 10 years ago, five years ago, any sort of change with Facebook. And I know we've talked about this on the podcast before. There was always some out, outcry. This is very similar on a on a more professional level, on a more developer level, obviously, uh, because a lot of people are invested in view in their professional life at this point. A lot of people are invested in view in their learning. Uh, so they're worried that all this investment that they've done is gone to nothing. And this intermediary step or band-aid, as Matt put it, is a really good way of kind of not silencing those people, but calming those people down and being like, listen, we understand your concern. We are going to be supporting the other method. As Matt pointed out, they probably won't be adding many features to it, but to, to counterpoint that, like it's already pretty feature rich in my opinion. Like mm -hmm. you don't really need much, uh, in the forms of like being able to do anything inside of Vue 2.0 that you could that you that you couldn't do like so Vue 3.0 is a very much an architectural and performance change. It's not so much like oh I can do like a bunch of more things. Uh, yes, you can do everything you can do in 2.0, and you can and there's a few things you can do more elegantly now in 3.0. Uh, but essentially, it's the same thing. Like you're you're accomplishing the same tasks. You just might be doing them slightly faster, kind of thing. So that that's not a huge concern for me. Uh, I think the the thing that's going to be a little bit of a challenge is people learning view now, like where, like like Matt said, like where do you hop into view? Like should you invest your time learning uh, object based API or should you just hop into function based API? I'm wondering, I'm wondering what your guys' take is on that. Like where should people learn, like start learning view at this point? Right. Well, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> 
that's a funny question because like I've been actually doing my on my YouTube channel we've been doing uh basically a view basic series the last number of weeks and that's going over the all the basics and ins and outs of uh of using view 2.0 and now just you know a handful of months later view 3 is going to be coming out in beta or whatever the schedule is for that but I think that's a good question another question um and before I can talk about that I'm curious as to was this something when they're going to be including both the object based and function based API is that something that will be able to be mixed and matched so yes. well then I think that if that's the case then definitely I think going learning going about learning view the old school way now old school way now and then starting to pick up when you start to hit these roadblocks that you run into as you get into more advanced applications and you realize Oh crap! I need to do this, but I have to run it. You know, I have to run this watch property that runs through. You know, that gets values from props that get set because of data that's called from you know a mounted lifecycle hook and stuff. Where it's a one function that runs through all of this stuff, where it's going to really uh, can bring all that code together and be more concise. And you'll be at the point where you understand how view works enough that you are will feel comfortable to kind of like look at the new syntax and understand, okay, well, what's going on here and see the similarities. So I think kind of like a stepping stone approach would be the best of both worlds because then users get that uh, that experience of it, the simplicity and what they're used to and all that stuff. And then when they're ready to like level up their game, so to speak, they can move on to the, the function-based API. And then another benefit of moving on to the function-based API is once you learn how to use that, then you know how to use React essentially. You know, it's just like, uh, other than the template, you just got to learn how to use JSX, I guess. But like the the core concepts of it, they're so similar in a lot of ways, and they're just becoming more similar. That and and, and really good concepts that both frameworks bring to the table. That I think they're the thing that I like about Vue and the the team behind Vue is that they really do care about. The, you know, the, their developers, the people that are going to be using their framework. So obviously everybody's been up and out in, in arms about this whole thing for the last number of days, and they're, and they're listening. And it's not just like some, you know, customer service person or whatever. It's, you know, it's the creator. It's Evan Yu. He's listening to people. He's responding. He's, you know, taking feedback and taking it, you know, willingly and for what it's worth and making changes to the plans and stuff like that. So I think that's... Ultimately, like Vue really does is uh, a framework for the people, by the people, and that is something that will really keep that will keep everybody in, you know, keep everybody interested in Vue because of that aspect of it. Whether or not there's big changes like this, and I think a lot of the reaction is people just see, okay, well, it's it's a it's a lot of jumping to conclusions. You know what I mean? Because people see. This stuff isn't very easy to, like, keep track of when news like this comes out. There's not, like, you know, one... You can't go to, like, CNN and see the homepage and see all the new updates in the tech world and stuff. It's just... I mean, there's... You can gather a list of stuff, but I think people see the headline, you know, somewhere that, okay, well, you know, view is changing dramatically and all your code has to be rewritten, and then they don't further look into it, and they just jump to conclusions, and they're like, well, what's going on? This is an outrage, blah, 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 and stuff, so... People need to also take their time and, you know, look into things 
and before they make a decision and and understand what changes are going to be made and why they're being made before they before just you know naysaying it as well so i think there's a lot of personal responsibility that comes into the reaction of stuff like this as well do you, but, do you think though that like that stepping stone approach is is still going to be viable when view js3 comes out like let's say fully uh, like out of beta or even view four, like you were saying that you could use the old method as a stepping stone. But if you were, if you were a person that was going to learn it, like if I, if I were going to go and learn it beyond the, the UI layout stuff, if I was going to go learn it today. Would it, would it be detrimental to me to learn this new method or like, or should like, should I be waiting for that beta to come out and then like just, you know, skip view until the beta comes out and then learn that new method. Because if we're talking about that, the original method being, knocked out being phased out eventually people will have to learn that new method originally and it kind of sounds like it's more complex Mm -hmm. so like is there is like do you disagree maybe like do you disagree that 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 the original method is going to be phased out or do you think that that they will keep it around just for like a stepping stone purpose or like what do you or do you do you think that it, it people on Vue.js 3 like in a year let's say they're on Vue.js 3 do you think that they should be starting with the new method first if they've never touched Vue before or should they still use the stepping stone like based on today's stuff of course you're kind of you're kind of forced to do the stepping stone because everything like all your YouTube tutorials uh, like like literally your YouTube tutorials and everybody else's and all the written tutorials Mm -hmm. on anything is all this old method so of course you kind of have to use the stepping stone approach but when it comes to this new method coming out and the beta comes out in a few months or whatever it is should you really like like is it a waste of time i guess is my question like to me it's like if something's going to be going to be phased out it'd be like they'd be like purchasing purchasing a phone or something that you want to keep for five years but the os is on its last light last limb it's like sure it'll last you for two years maybe but it's like that phone is donezo at that point and so i know that's like a that's like a different thing than this um but like i think it's kind of the same idea where like tech companies will phase things out for the betterment of the product and it and i'm just i guess as an outsider i'm confused as to is there like a problem with learning the new method first do you need that first method no i don't think so i don't think at all i mean i think really what it comes down to is personal preference if one looks more you know clear to read at a glance than the other then you could start it ultimately uh, if you're just if you're just starting out, you're probably not going to be building a monolithic app, so you don't have to worry about too much complexity. And ultimately, each way will get you the same result, no matter how you go about it. And you'll probably learn the same concepts as well. I think what's going on a little bit differently is like the where it might uh, where they might end up being issues is if people start doing or like when you get into things like. Um, like custom events and and mix-ins and and the stuff that that can create maintainability issues then at that point then looking at the new functions api and seeing how something like how something like the watch uh method or whatever in view three can alleviate a lot of those issues that you're coming across and like to me, for me to be honest, I if I was just looking at view today, I still I think I still would go with the the object based syntax um, uh, API, just because that looks more it looks more understandable to me at a glance. Like I can look at it and see, okay, this is my data. This is like computed properties, whatever those are. This is 
watch properties, what are watch functions, whatever those are, and these are my methods, and those are functions that I run. It's a lot more uh, explicit on like kind of like the building blocks of everything. So it does help in that sense. Where I think when you, when I look at like the setup or like the new syntax with the export default uh, setup function instead of data, I think with that they'll have there'll be a little bit more of a learning curve, but I also think that one of the benefits of Vue that they've always brought to the table strongly is their docs. So I have faith that with this new API being released, they'll have really clear, concise docs on what are going, what's going on and where the differences are and and why you would want to do this. Um, And it's just, I mean, you start to use Vue.js and you'll kind of make the distinction. Okay, I can see why they why they did stuff. I should probably check that out. But I definitely think it's really just it's an intimidation thing. But I don't. I, it's it's hard to say. It's like you know, we'll have to see what happens with the whole ecosystem of the new release, kind of to make more determination on whether learning the object based syntax first is a stepping stone or if that's just kind of like a, you know it's becoming like a dead end almost. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I, I, I agree with your sentiment that you can learn either one based on your familiarity with, with whatever, like if you're more comfortable when you see the object based API, uh, you can learn that one. And there's not much detriment to answer kind of your question, Matt, uh, because you'll learn the basic concepts regardless of which, which way you choose and going from one to the other, once you know, the basic concepts is going to be a lot easier anyway. And it might be even valuable for you because you'll 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 get a better grasp of that under like the understanding of those basic concepts like the methods and the and the structure of like the the life cycle like when the life cycle happens how to use the life cycle events if if you're just new to programming in general and you're seeing view you're probably going to go object based in my opinion like like uh, Sean was saying it's it is a lot easier to read it is a lot easier to to maintain a small code base in. Uh, it's really clean. I, I, I always liked it. Like I, I never even thought about having a function-based API until they mentioned it. Uh, again, having looked at the function-based API and all the advantages it brings, I see what it is and I, I understand how, to, like, how it would benefit me if I were to use it. But it's going to be a, a lengthy discussion probably when we do start having like deciding to migrate or not so i'll have you know a team a team meeting and we'll sit down and i'll we'll we'll have to all lay out our things like this is going to be easier to uh you know create functional components and function and function containment but it's going to be a little bit harder to understand for some for, for the newer developers now with with that being said newer developers i think this is a direct i wouldn't say attack but i think this is a direct hit on the react devs trying to get them to come over to the view side i think this is this is one of the like the performance and everything obviously but a huge advantage with this kind of change and with this integration is if i'm a react dev and i've been hearing about view all this time and i go and look at functional uh function-based apis i'm like holy i already know this i can just go in and start using view and start using the framework so i think it's going to bring a lot of react devs straight to view and i that's i i believe that's kind of like the the back back in mind intention um that that's kind of that that's kind of where i'm thinking with it right yeah that makes sense it's kind of it like i was saying you go once you learn this new syntax of view then you can go right react fairly fairly easily it'll be a lot a lot of really interchangeable 
And I think that's a good point because I think what this will do is really once once that kind of happens, the React devs kind of have, if it does happen, I mean, who knows for sure, we'll have to see. But if they do start migrating over to Vue more and more, I think we'll start to see Vue pop up in the workplace a lot more commonly in that case because they'll have experienced developers that have been working in the field now uh, – you know, endorsing this new framework or new framework that up until now has been had a lot of, you know, a lot of hype around it, but it doesn't have that official corporate backing and, you know, lifelong backing to make sure that enterprises want to write their applications in it or, you know, companies want to write their applications in it. So it'll be interesting. I think this will do, I think this this change and then what's come, what's going on in the whole Svelte world is really going to upshift or is really going to shift around a lot of things in the in the development community. It'll be interesting to see what happens for sure. Do do changes like this uh, sort of do they sort of give credit to people who are learning who are like brand new to programming right now? They want to become a web developer, but maybe they don't want to do it professionally because like they just they don't they don't want to work in a team. They just want to work by themselves. Do changes like this and uprooting things like this do they actually uh, promote people learning just straight up vanilla JavaScript as as a sort of because like you, you I mean there's you know the new a new ES versions and that type of thing, but generally speaking, it's not like every every you know year you're worried about three quarters of your features becoming deprecated and then eventually dropped completely. It's more, you know, obviously you're lear- you would learn Vue.js to maybe get a job at a place that uses Vue.js or maybe because the market is screaming for it. Whereas if you're just working by yourself, like if I wanted, like personally, if I wanted to, like today, wanted to make my own app, like my own web app, and I was re- doing it in Vue and I, you know, was learning Vue because that's, that, that's, that's the stage I would be at. And they were like, we're going to uproot all this. I would probably be like, okay, control A, delete, yes. And I'm just going to go with the vanilla JavaScript because at the end of the day here, that's not going to get deleted tomorrow. That's going to maybe get deleted in, or part, only like a part of it is going to get deleted in like 10 years unless there's something massive that happens in the industry. But just in terms of trends, like who's, who's to say Vue.js 4 isn't going to uproot a whole bunch of stuff? Who's to say that? Like we don't, we don't know the future, and I think we've—I think it was actually in this episode because, like I said, this is you know recorded separately. But I think it was in this episode that we had said that uh, they that like vanilla is van- like like the ES versions are more um, are more like they respect the older versions more, whereas these like view and all this stuff is like the vision of somebody else. It's not the vision of the committee of the people who like, you know, essentially maintain and ha- like create the language. This is a layer on top of JS of JavaScript. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, so at the mm-hmm. end of the day here, I kind of, I'm kind of losing, I'm losing like, like going toward a framework to me, even though we run like a, like a small web development company, it's losing its luster for me. Because for for me moving around UI elements, I kind of don't think it's worth investing time and then just be like, oh, by the way, Matt, we need you to rip all that in pieces because it needs to be redone now. It's like, well, that's not going to generate me any more money. I don't really care. And at the end of the day, if I were to make an app myself or even with just like one other person, I don't see the benefits of a framework that much. In a larger team, like I would say, I would say small as in like five, like I would say five and up. 
I could see people using frameworks and like things like Tailwind CSS, like even because I, like I said, I'm more UI. Tailwind CSS, I absolutely see the benefit of that. And I do, I even I do stuff like that. But at the end of the day here, if Tailwind CSS tries to uproot all of its stuff, I'd be like, okay, the hell with this. I'm just going to do it in CSS. I, yeah. I, I don't know whether I'm too extreme in, in, in dropping things, but. Yeah, I'm going to say, I'm going to say you're too extreme. Let, let me try to tackle this, this one. Uh, and I, it was a good call out because uh, it, it is this episode that we we're, we're talking about the committees and stuff in, and it, you're definitely 100% correct that, uh, you know, backing yourself with vanilla JS is a lot more functional for yourself. Uh, but it's not, it's not mutually exclusive in my opinion, knowing vanilla JS and having a good understanding of it will give you the opportunity to go into any framework at any time and learn it. It's not, it's not that big of an undertaking when you know vanilla JS and the, the way it works to go into a Vue.js framework, regardless of which way it goes, functional object, and picking it up. It's not like you're like, it, it, you know, it's a it's a, a day, two, three day setup, maybe at most, and then you're kind of off to the races with it. Uh, maybe even less sometimes, depending on how familiar you are. It's not a huge undertaking. It's not like you're learning a completely new language. You're just learning a different functionality of the language with a, with a couple of specific subsets that you can easily just be like, in the documentation, just Google or like search for it. And you can know exactly like copy paste exactly how to do it. That's the point that I want to get across is when you're going into frameworks, they are really powerful. They're great for working in teams, but they're great for working on your, on yourself too, by yourself and learning how to learn new frameworks, learning how to jump from framework to framework from functionality to functionality um, and how to adopt code and stuff like that is also a huge skill for everyone. So I don't, I don't think you should, abandon a framework because of something like this especially with the way that they're handling it so far i say so far because of course things can change but so far it's been very civil like like i said they didn't release that oh we're doing this and we're not listening to any feedback they released literally a request for feedback and they're like none of this is this this is in stone we are willing to change all of this if we get enough feedback for it but they they got mixed feedback it wasn't all bad it was just the loudest people were saying that this is terrible and, and this is worse and stuff like that. And that's still being propagated around the internet. But if you go in and you look into the civilized discussions that are happening on their uh, GitHub request for uh, change, you can see that um, there are people that are backing this change and there are people that are seeing the opportunity that it brings. And there are people that are thankful for them to, to release something like this for us to talk about. Because again, it's, it's not like a company will, that will just release something and just do it and it you have no you have no say we like people literally have a say in this case like sean was saying it's for the people like it's made by the people for the people that's that's a big proponent of ujs whereas react is made by facebook for facebook there's positive and negatives to both i actually wanted to mention a little bit of uh, the fact that like yes react is owned by facebook and this would it is an, it is a slight advantage in some ways because uh, although Facebook is the you know the evil monster and stuff like that as we've been reading, they do have a very large team and they do have a very large need for their own technology. So any sort of issues in their own technologies, any sort of large changes like this would create a big issue in their own technologies and wouldn't happen. I can see the the reason why people use it for its stability and and its future readiness. Like it, you know you know what I mean. Like there, there's a big team of people like Facebook is literally built on react instagram is literally built on react so if they have any issues inside of react they're very 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 likely to go and fix it for you and they're allowing you to use it now obviously the negative of that is they're allowing you to use it at any point they can be like oh 
not allowing you to use React anymore. Or here's a community version of React. Here's our internal version. We're not updating the community version anymore. Like th that could happen. Um, and I so, mean, that, that could happen anywhere, though. Like correct. The, the view yeah. guy could just be like, you know what? That's it. View view three. That's <laughs> yeah. mine. See you later, boys. Like yeah, yeah. But it is open source, so anyone that's taken it and made their own like you know strand of it, like it, it's it's a little bit more open like in that way. But it, you're you're right. The, you, Evan, you could easily screw it up and go anywhere. Anyway, so the point the point that you're making, Matt, is learn vanilla JavaScript. That's the point of this episode, in fact. Learn vanilla JavaScript so that it doesn't matter what the frameworks are. What Like like uh, Sean was saying about Svelte, that's coming out. Maybe that'll be the next big framework. It doesn't matter because you know vanilla JavaScript. You know how those frameworks work. You can switch between them without any sort of issue. So. It, again, your your point, uh, Matt, was the fact that we shouldn't learn any frameworks. I, I don't believe that's the correct point because it's not that hard to pick up a framework. It's not like you're learning a completely new language. When you know the functionality of it, when you know what you need to do, it's it's pretty simple and not easy. It's not easy for sure, but it's pretty like straightforward what you need to do to be able to pick it up and kind of Put it into place there's a lot of people talking like sean sean himself is doing a tutorial series there's plenty of other people doing tutorial series uh like it's just it's kind of one of those things that it builds the community it builds information it builds different functionalities like someone uh, at some point the view will make something and they might have already done it that javascript themselves sees as a huge plus uh like i was saying before earlier in the episode that templating syntax that was made like that was that was made by a framework and JavaScript's like oh that's amazing let's add that into our vanilla JavaScript like with ES6 so this that's why it's important to kind of continue to support framework continue to use them be able to switch between them the more you can switch between the more like on your resume you can say yeah I I know Vue.js I know React I know all that stuff but the main thing is is I can switch between frameworks really quickly because my vanilla JavaScript uh, is extremely you know well well created and well the the base there is extremely extremely put like it's it's huge right yeah that's a good point i i often see from uh beginners they have the question you know what framework should i learn first and i think that their best answer for that is none of them learn vanilla javascript well and you know learn up until like ES6 at least because that's pretty much it's you know becoming the 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 standard very quickly and pretty soon we won't even need you know transpilers and stuff in order to write ES6 code and have it run in the browser without any issues and so it's going to be it's just kind of the way of the world moving forward but but you're right it's like you, it's trying to learn a framework without having a solid understanding of javascript is kind of like trying to build a house without knowing how to use any of the tools or you know what materials to use and stuff you're going to end up with something but it's going to probably be broken and uh, uh, one other point i wanted to touch on really quick was that like with the comparison between like um like react and angular versus like an uh, a community driven or view open source projects such as Vue. Is I'm not sure about the community, the development community of React and Angular. I'm not sure how open they are to outside pull, you know, pull requests and stuff. But I know that like with Vue, they're always open to pull requests and code improvements and all these different features, and they're very open, communicative 
uh, with the community. And I feel like that's really important because that gives people, whether they go and change, you know, stuff and dr- do dr- drastic changes and stuff, the fact that they have that can that solid connection to the community, it kind of gives people an, a sense of ownership to it. I mean, myself, I have, um, you know, a number of docs edits that are merged into the view native docs, um, over on in that repo and stuff. And that, you know, that gives me a sense of, you know, ownership to it. And I think that's important because people, they, they, they have, they grab an, you know, kind of like a, an attachment to it. And it makes, it makes the, the longevity of the project, you know, exponential, exponentially longer essentially because they have that that community driven thing where it's not just like a big machine pumping out code that you're allowed to use kind of thing so in that aspect but yeah i can't i don't think we i don't think people can stress enough how important it is to to learn the fundamentals of vanilla javascript to be honest because I mean, I if I were to look at this stuff without really knowing what an arrow function is, like this class functions API, I would be lost. I'd be like, there's this thing, and it's got like this function arrow thing, and it's just going into this props ID thing, and then there's this async word, and then that's got an ID thing, and that's another arrow thing, and I'm just I'm so lost at this point. And that's just the first line of this function. So to understand, okay, well this is a function. It's you know an implicit return. It's this is the parameter. So you pass it in. This is what async await is, and stuff. Once you understand that stuff, then being able to look at a function API like this whether you've never even seen view in the first place you know even if you've never seen the object orient or object based api if you have a solid understanding of es6 you know es6 uh, vanilla es6 or whatever then being able to look at something like the function api or react or you know whatever typescript or whatever angular is going to make all of that much more easy it's going to be able, like you said mike you'll be able to like you know hop between frameworks like it's you know just changing clothes essentially so you'll have no issue with it and that's that's ultimately what will give you the best setup for uh you know a really good developer uh career and stuff versus like being you know it's good to be you know well versed in one thing or another try not to spread yourself too thin but having that underlying really uh really honed skill set of vanilla will really it will really set you further along than being an expert at any type of framework will be because frameworks come and go and you know in 10 years Vue probably might not even be a thing you know we, who knows what will be in 10 years the, the the technology and web development world is changing so rapidly that who knows well i think i think one of the i think that's a really good point too because one of the things i was thinking of when you were explaining that sean was mike and i kind of went through this where when we were doing in college, when we were doing our embedded programming, they they basically we learned assembly code because we were working with like embedded systems. We learned assembly code, but we never really learned any sort of like what a function is, like you know what do you do? Like it was very rudimentary what we learned, and then literally the next class was like, okay, we're now doing more advanced embedded systems. Uh, it's all in C code. You've never taken a C code class. Go ahead and make it work on this in this like microcontroller. And so like you're literally thrown into a situation where you don't know any of the syntax from C. You don't have any programming classes in the in the class, except this is like your first programming class. And you're also trying to set up the hardware to actually like flash lights and stuff. So like every single step is brand new to you and where like maybe it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know, swim bitch. Like here you kick you in the pool, swim bitch. Yeah. Like, I mean, maybe that's it. I mean, that's not the greatest way to put it. But like, 
maybe that's maybe that's like a valid teaching method but at the same point it's also very dis- very uh discouraging for people who literally had no experience i think mike had some programming experience from from high school at that point same with me i had some programming experience from high school so like i at least knew variables and and stuff were in strings there were people there that were like what the hell is a, like a string what are you talking about like a rope like what do you mean like literally no idea what do you mean matt we don't write code now write this code yeah that was that was a classic line yeah don't yeah we don't write code yeah and then we had a lab test where we were told we were told we, we were told many times before the lab test we do not write code in this class. You will not be writing any code in this class. You will just have to go to your books and kind of copy paste the code. And we're like, okay, that's fine. And we're like, how do we prepare for this lab test? Just read, read your, you know, your code, make sure you know where, where in the book, uh, some code samples are and stuff like that. And then we get to the lab test. First question is now write some code, get, get it done and see, and we've <laughs> never done it. So that's fine. <laughs> that's I mean, moving on I, th- I think i took like a three out of 11 or something but yeah at the end of the day i mean it's not, not something i'm proud of but i mean i don't know way the road i guess it <laughs> yeah, wasn't the best way to to teach in my in my honest opinion but regardless um with that being said i don't know i, I don't really have much more to add to this conversation does anyone else have anything they want to throw in i think we're good my, myself yeah, I don't know. I think we covered a lot. I think we talked about most of the main points. Again, a lot of things will probably change between now and um, I think September is what they're shooting for release. I know that uh, if anybody wants to check out the new functions API for Vue, they're going to be releasing an alpha next month, I believe. Um, there's more information on that in the RFC and the Vue discord server as well i don't know if people want to look for that and stuff but if anybody's interested that will be really cool i know i'm looking forward to checking out some of the they're working with it as experimental i think it'll be uh under a behind a flag in the view cli as i think how they're going to be rolling it out but we'll have to see for sure i think it's a plugin oh yeah you're right you're right it's a plugin correct Cool. Thanks, guys, for letting me uh, come on here, and I really enjoyed uh, having web news with you. And massive shouts to the podcast and the community. Cool. That's all I got. Alrighty. Well, I guess we can uh, run the old conclusion then. Thanks for listening, and make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing on the platform of your choice. You can follow us on the socials via at HTML All the Things. That's on Facebook and Instagram. You can also follow us on Twitter at HTML Everything. We are on Medium. We are on GitHub. And remember, we are also on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash HTML All the Things. Check out the tiers and give that a go. And many thanks to our $3 tier patrons. That's Sean from RabbitWorks JavaScript. You can find him at youtube.com slash RabbitWorks JavaScript. Again, that's W-E-R-K-S instead of spelling works the normal way we also have garrick from local path computing and web design you can find him at localpathcomputing.com we also like to thank craig aka cosworth and last but not least ryan gatchel from blueblackdigital.com feel free to leave a comment or a review on the platform that you are listening to this on and we are signing off yeah.